0: Hello, and welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Jonah Comstock. I'm joined today by Dr. Colin Bannis, Chief Medical Officer at Dr. First. Uh, Colin, mind if I call you Colin? Not at all, go for it. Uh, Colin and I are gonna talk a little bit about a very hot button issue um, today in in the world in general, and specifically in the United States. uh, re- related to, uh, prescription drug pricing and affordability. Um, obviously this is, this is a huge issue right now. Um, creating a lot of challenges for a lot of people and, um, seeing a lot of attention from, from the government. But, um, so let's start with that, uh, Colin to d- tell me a little bit about kind of the moment that we're in now, um, from your perspective and, and sort of how we got there.
1: Oh, wow. Well, what a loaded question. Uh, you know- uh, affordability is definitely top of mind um, when it comes to prescription um, prescription adherence, uh, prescription decision-making at the point of patient care. Uh, how did we get here? Whew. Uh, that is, I don't know if we have enough time to talk about how we got here, but uh, it's certainly a, a long and convoluted journey into just uh, how complicated the system has become in terms of prescription benefits, uh, prescription pricing. Uh, and then really, I, and I think this is, um, this is what's more, uh, top of mind, uh, lately is that we are now starting to have expectations at the provider level and also at the patient level of transparency, uh, to, to these things. Some of these are regulatory, uh, requirements. Some of these are just, you know, common sense, good business, uh, but the idea of being able to have better understanding at all levels of what a price is going to be, what it's going to take to get my patient on therapy and keep them on therapy. And so I hate the term consumerism when it comes to patient care, but I do think we are in an age of consumerism and uh, heightened expectations as to what the patient care and patient experience uh, is. Uh, And that's, it's really you know a, a full decade or so behind other things like aviation, banking, and and um, shopping, but we're getting there. So that's a long-winded answer as to uh, how we got here, but I do think um, consumerism and transparency have become top of mind.
0: Right. I, I mean, and that ties directly into the the price uh, issue, right? I mean, it it, it um p- part of the part of the problem here is that. Um, the the market forces don't seem to be, uh, you know, t- trending towards affordability for patients the way that you might you know imagine other more sort of consumer driven industries that you know, the price comes down to to where supply meets demand, and instead we have these sort of out of control prices even when there's a a healthy amount of demand and and a reasonable amount of supply.
1: Yeah, healthcare is 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 so tricky in that it's you know one of the few industries that really doesn't obey that that intersection of supply and demand that you're alluding to and in fact uh, on multiple levels healthcare has what i what i would call supplier induced demand in other words patient comes to me and i i'm uh, as a provider i'm telling them what they need uh, now obviously we're getting better at that uh, in terms of again transparency uh, whether it's at the prescription level or even things at like um Procedures, Uh, you know, there are new requirements on the docket that says, hey, hospitals, hey, providers, uh, you need to be more upfront about what things cost, what out of pocket is for your patients. And so I do think we're inching our our way there, but it's been a long time coming.
0: Yeah. So um, tell me a little bit about kind of your your expertise in this um, and and Dr. First and how you guys fit into um, this, this this. Moment in these trends.
1: Yeah, Uh, so first and foremost, um, I am an internal medicine physician. So um, prior to joining Dr. First as the chief medical officer, I was a practicing hospitalist and the CMIO for a large academic health system in the mid-Atlantic. I was there for 17 years before uh, joining Dr. First uh, a little bit over three years ago uh, to help with innovation and strategy. And to understand how Dr. First fits, you have to go back to the genesis of Dr. First, the company. And uh, January 1st of the year 2000, Dr. First was founded as one of the very first e-prescribing companies. Uh, in the this is before e-prescribing was really even a, a thing. Um, this is way before meaningful use and the explosion of the adoption of EMRs and things like that. Uh, and from... Uh, the roots in e-prescribing blossomed a lot of innovations around what I call the medication data space, the medication safety space. And what I mean by that is that we have innovative tools and solutions around things like medication reconciliation, um, uh, controlled substance prescribing, and then, you know, more recently, uh, pioneers in what I call price transparency. So we were one of the first companies to show uh, prescribers what a patient's copay was going to be at the point of making that prescribing decision, and then also show them alternatives that they could switch to directly within our software interface. To say, you know, now you can have these meaningful conversations with the patient in front of you about what what they can expect with a copay, and then actually within the last three to four years, we've also flipped into a patient engagement space where we're actually revealing similar transparency uh, related to prescription costs uh, to the patient via uh, SMS uh, app-like experience. And with that, and I think we'll get into this in, in a second, but we're also able to deliver things like education, things like reminders, and probably most germane to this conversation, Things like uh, coupons and savings cards directly into either the prescribing flow or into the patient flow.
0: One of the big debates, I think, around drug pricing is this question of, like, whose responsibility is it now to, to fix it? And, like, who's in a position to to make a change here, right? So, um, obviously, you know, lower prices would would solve the problem but some of the things you're describing price transparency um uh education you know get giving patients the ability to make kind of the smartest choice from the self out of what is available like how important is that and how how much of a role does that need to play versus some of the bigger kind of policy uh solutions
1: yeah so i I think you're i think you're spot on um and astutely you're picking up on the solutions that, that I've been talking about really are absent those external government-type forces or, or other regulatory uh, influences that can um, influence drug pricing. What I'm talking about is absent those changes, which are in motion and uh, have been for quite some time, what can we do at what I would call the, the ground level to empower our providers, empower our patients to have this, um, to have this data in front of them when they need it, uh, and so what I'm really talking about. So if we go back to price transparency uh, uh, for the provider, so I have you in front of me as a patient. I'm making a prescribing decision, and it says, you know, I pr- I pick one antibiotic. It says that one's not covered. If you want to go with it, it's going to be hundred dollars out of pocket. But look, here's three others. Click here to make that change. The reason that works is because I've done it uh, with real-time uh, data. In other words, the way our software functions is we're doing a, a real-time false claim against your your benefit. So if you hit your copay deductible earlier that morning, we're gonna know about it. It's, gonna, it's not an estimation, it's actually a false claim. So it's real data. And then more importantly, it's completely within workflow. And then the third thing is that, that it's actionable. So I can make the change, I can make the decision, I can make that, I can have that conversation all within that time. Because if at any moment I had to deviate from my workflow, you're going to lose me as a, as a potential user. Like if I have to jump into a different application, if I have to pull up a different reference website to look these things up, it's, it's all going to fall apart because, you know, the clinical visit is 15 minutes max and there's there's so much that has to occur in that 15 minutes that every second, every click uh, is precious. And so we've consciously designed solutions that, that maximize the uh, experience, reduce the clicks and in the in the keystroke burden. So what are some of the kind of ways that
0: this, um, you know, things like, like transparency, um, education can actually and, and coupons, you mentioned, um, you know, can actually like reduce costs. Is it about um, connecting people to things like generics that are that are actually cheaper um, or, or or maximize their access to sort of discounts and deals that exist?
1: Yeah, all, all of the above. Uh, and that's that's what makes these solutions so powerful. So it's the ability to suggest generics when, when appropriate, when applicable. It's the ability to show you. Yeah, you could go down the street to your local pharmacy, and it'll be X amount of dollars. But if you want to do a mail order, it's going to be this. Or if you want to do ninety instead of thirty pills, uh, it's going to it's going to alter the. You know, there's all of these various you know factors that go into the cost. Um, and all you know, and I just keep coming back to this. It's all about making the provider and then by proxy the patient aware that these these options are out there because absent these solutions. I would assume that that antibiotic I picked was perfectly. I had, you know, I had no idea. I would, I would hit the send button and out the door you go, and I would never know if you didn't get it unless you showed back up in the ER three days later because you said, "Doc, I couldn't afford it." Whereas if I had you in front of me and I see it's a hundred bucks, but this one over here is, you know, five bucks, and from a clinical perspective, they're they're equivalent. I'm gonna make that change right there, and I'm gonna have a, a conversation with you about it. So it's all about making the, you know, because it's a very complex system that we're talking about in terms of who's filling it, who's paying for it. You know, it's, it's very hard to wade through all of that, whereas the software can just cut through it and give you the insights. Uh, in terms of coupons, same idea, right? There's a lot of plans uh, for the insured out there. There's a lot of high deductible plans. A lot of patients are opting to use cash, uh, you know, completely out of pocket to get their prescriptions because the, the copay hasn't kicked in or the copay the deductible hasn't been met and it's 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 easier it's cheaper to do cash or to use to use one of these coupons. And so same idea. We're going to use our technology to match up you as the patient and your attributes in the in the script that went out the door to see if there's anything that we have access to that you're eligible for and then we're going to serve it up on your smartphone and this is sort
0: of win-win uh, obviously for the patients and for the providers but what about the the um the pharma companies i mean is is this end up creating value for them
1: they you know it's very convoluted and I, i'm i'm in no means an expert in this space but uh these coupon uh programs exist for a reason like that there is money being made uh, all around uh, the pie if you will and so I think at the end of the day, if we take a step back of, um, you know, as a nation and say, what's best for the nation, independent of all of these uh, individual players, it's getting patients on and keeping them on therapy. Uh, because we actually, uh, I have the benefit of leading our applied clinical research arm uh, for the company. We have some pretty robust real-world data that shows patients who engage with our solutions whether it's the education, the reminders, or the, the, co- the copay assist, they're more likely to get their medications. They're more likely to stay on their medications. And more importantly, they're less likely to be readmitted. Um, and that's statistically significant in a number of our hospitals. So that's the fun stuff about my job is, is real world data and real world impact of these solutions.
0: Awesome. Um, so you mentioned we we've been talking mostly about the the situation in the United States, but I mean, is this a a global problem too? Is that something you guys are focused on at all?
1: Doctor First's main footprint is the is United States. We do have a little bit of a presence in Canada, but absent that, um, you know, nothing in Europe or or overseas uh, per se. So it's really hard to comment. Uh, you know, I will say from my reading. Um, some of the other nations who, who have adopted more of a socialized medicine, definitely a different experience when it comes to uh, prescription affordability. Well, We could leave it at that.
0: Um, so I think we've touched on this, but I want to talk about this idea of, um, of cost-related non-adherence, right? So we're at a point where costs are actually keeping people from uh, doing what their doctors are saying and, and, and taking the steps that would you know, keep them healthy, uh, I know certainly we've heard a lot about that with insulin and, and people rationing, um, rationing insulin because of the costs. Um, how does, how does that kind of, um, well, for one thing, first of all, I guess like, you know, tell me a little bit about that trend, but also then like, uh, how do you tailor your approach to, to think about that and to, you know, really try to reverse the trend there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bend the curve, if you will. Um, so it's interesting and it's a very timely question. We actually uh, conduct surveys on a, on a number, uh, on a frequent interval at Dr. First. We just did a survey of over 200 adults related to medication adherence uh, and trends and patterns uh, in that space. And you're spot on. Um, our data showed, and, and I think this, this echoes uh, other similar uh, type surveys, 50% of the patients uh, surveyed admitted to not picking up a prescription due to copay, due to cost. Twenty-five percent of them admitted to um, not refilling or sort of, you know, stopping a therapy without telling the doctor. Again, due to cost. And then this is the this is the the one that's really um, most germane to your question. Fourteen uh, percent of them said, "I have rationed my medications based on cost." And so that that's the that becomes difficult to tease out uh, unless you're looking at the data uh, and have some pretty robust analytics. But, you know, that's, you know, as a clinician, that's sad. Um, That makes me sad because obviously the goal is to get and keep patients on therapy. And the fact that patients are having to make these very difficult, you know, sort of life and death decisions, uh, you know, between, you know, daily living and affording their medications Is is one of the things that drives, uh, you know, what I do with the company, in terms of solutions that can help make that impact. So, you know, I'm bringing it back full circle into what are the things that I we can bring to bear uh, for the patients and the providers, and then more importantly, how can I prove it, or how how can we as a company prove that we're making that impact? And like I said before, that's the fun stuff.
0: And it seems like what you're doing. I mean, we we talked earlier about how there, you know, this is sort of in. In lieu, or 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 in uh, in stopgap of of you know the big systemic solutions, but uh, a product like Dr. First and an offering like Dr. First has is is valuable even in in a world where um, you know drug prices are are kind of more reasonable generally, right? Just in, in, as an optimization play,
1: I, I think hundred uh, um... percent. You know, absence, let, let's pretend that cost really wasn't a, an overriding um, uh, decision uh, factor. You can think of some of the things our solutions are doing as a, as a form of decision support uh, or CDS. You'll hear that a lot in the in the informatics realm. And so, you know, the ability to offer alternatives, the ability to show uh, provider and patients potential interactions, potential uh, side effects, Etc. It's all a form of decision support. It's all affecting and improving the clinical experience for both the provider and for the patient. And so, I absolutely agree. You know, absent uh, the copay assist or the the price transparency, I absolutely agree. There's inherent value in all of the solutions that we bring to bear.
0: So, uh, any anything we haven't uh, discussed yet that you think is is an important angle on this, or or anything you want to you want to talk about?
1: Well, I, I think, um, you know, I've, I've definitely spent a lot of time talking about the provider side of it. I do think, I, you know, back to my original comment about consumerism, I do think we're in a very exciting time of patient empowerment and patient engagement with, with some of these data's uh, data and some of the uh, solutions. And so the trick, um, and, and we work very hard on this at Dr. First, the trick is to meet the patient where they want to be met um, digitally. And so that's why we have solutions that are um, text-based or SMS-based that will deliver an app-like experience, but we're not gonna make you go get an app or do a lengthy registration or log into an additional portal. Because we know patients, um, you know, by and large, over 90%, they're gonna look at SMS messages. They're gonna interact with SMS messages. Yeah, you probably, um, when's the last time you actually ignored one? Um, so I think I think that's just a a nice way of saying, you know the patient's turn of of running the train is is on its way. Um, you know, we're finding that more and more we have to meet the patients where they want to be met, or they're gonna or they're gonna vote with their feet. They're gonna go find a different solution or a different pro, uh, provider. And so, I do think it's an exciting time for uh, to on patient side uh, in the age of consumerism, even though I hate that term. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's such a tricky thing because we talk a lot about patients, you know, taking control, taking the reins of their own health. Um, the fact that, you know, we're, we're creating a lot of technology that makes that easier to do. Um, but you know, the patient is still, when I go into, you know, the doctor, I'm not like, I'm not excited about it. I'm not saying today I'm going to, Grab the reins of my health. You know, I'm like, I gotta go to the doctor, and a lot of what really motivating and engaging patient comes down to is meeting them in that moment and saying, like, making it easy for them to do. You know, to to make choices that are beneficial it's, for
1: them. It's exactly so. The, the the term I always use is removing the friction. Whether it's removing the friction for the doctor or, or the nurse or the the patient. You know, so what's gonna make you more likely to stay engaged? I just made it incredibly easy for you to do the right thing. You know, uh, access your schedule here, make a change here, communicate with the doctor this way, request a renewal, refill, et cetera. And so that's the trick is making that as seamless and as, uh, you know, frictionless as possible in order to, uh, you know, ultimately improve the experience, but also retain that patient um, within your organization.
0: Yeah. Um, I I think it's interesting to talk about patient um, I guess empowerment in this context of drug prices because the the situation patients find themselves in when they have or they're prescribed a drug and they can't afford it is so kind of disempowering you know to, to be to be told this is what you have this is this is the treatment for it and uh, and it's out of reach <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah it's it's disheartening and the other thing is, is that a lot of time what Let's pretend uh, for a second that um, you could eventually get get back in touch with your provider and make a change that was affordable. You've still introduced all sorts of friction and delay into the process, you know, because you didn't know until you got there that it was $100 out of pocket. Whereas if I could have known that when I was making the decision or whether you could have seen that. Because we gave it to you, you know, on an SMS app-like experience, we can shorten the delay and we can improve the communication. Uh, that sacred that sacred connection between patient and provider. That's the closed loop, you know, system that we're really trying to create is get it in front of the right people at the right time, so we can reduce delay and and get them on therapy.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Colin. This has been a great conversation. Um, really interesting, uh, important work that you're doing to tackle uh, uh at least on some level, a, a really huge um, problem.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Thank, thank you so much. Absolutely.
0: Um, and you know, uh, good luck with everything that you're doing, and and hopefully, you know, hopefully, uh, this is a problem that'll be sort of tackled from from multiple angles at once, right?
1: Yeah. Let's hope so.
0: All right. Um, thank you so much. Thank you all for listening. That concludes this episode of the PharmaForum podcast. You can find more information about this episode, including a download link and information about other installments in the series at pharmaforum.com slash podcast. The PharmaForum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podme, where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. And don't forget to visit our website, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and to follow us on Twitter at at PharmaForum. Thanks for listening.